We're glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. I'm glad you chose to be here, and uh, it feels like, feels like family today. I love it when we're full and we've got um, just kind of a whole week behind us. And um, We're going to give you a chance to do what we do every week before we start, and that's just to take a deep breath. Some of you have had some good things happen this week. Some of you had some bad things happen this week. Some of you have one of those weeks that's just kind of you forget, you know, like, oh, I, I, nothing really happened at all this week, and you almost can just chalk it up to a another week breathing, and, uh, and whatever you're feeling today, we want to give you a chance to kind of get some perspective on your life, um, remember what you're doing, and what everything boils down to in your life um, is relationships, and so we're going to give you a chance this morning to, uh, to take a deep breath, and then we're going to jump right back into our series and um, get going this morning. So let's, let's pray together, and then I'll close this after a couple minutes of quiet. God, in this place, um, we pray that you would give us some kind of a perspective on our life. All of us have lost perspective at some point this week. We put our, the emphasis on the wrong things in our lives, and it causes us to be anxious and depressed, it causes us to be addicted, to be desperate. And so, God, right now, we pray that you would because you can and you said you will, that if we quiet our hearts and our lives, that you'll speak quietly into us. And remind us of the perspective that brings us peace and hope and joy and the things that we really desire in this life. God, for those in this room today who are desperate, who feel like they've tried everything and can't find what they're looking for, would you be unmistakable in their life today? And as I speak today, God, would you clean my life up? Would you make me worthy of saying something that comes from you today? In your son's name, amen. So we're, we're con uh, continuing a series called Stronger, where we're just getting stronger every day. We've gone physically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, relationally, um, and we're into family now. We're, we're building stronger families. I'm seeing this all over the place, already seeing stronger families in, in this community and in this body. I don't know if, if you're like me, um, you've uh, spent your whole life kind of laughing at some of the different differences in families, and now you can do them on Facebook. Check this out. I love these, these slides um, where you get to see these, these uh, what do they call them, awkward family photos. Um, my favorite is, I can't imagine, ever imagine my wife saying, hey, John, I got an idea for our family photo this year. Let's go find all the denim we can. Let's, lay, let's stack, make a big pile of Mitchells and stack up next to the lake and take a picture. But, you know, all these pictures, you can go out and just type in awkward family photos. You will not believe the things that you see um, and the, the differences in families. But every time I see one of these pictures, I just remember how different we all are and how different our families are and also just how weird people are in general, you know. <laughs> um, but as we go through this series, um, I, I want to talk about a few different things. And man, what I'm going to say today, you need to know a few things about before I say it, okay? Especially if you're visiting with us, you need to know a little bit about um, the way we talk and the, what we talk about around here. We try to be real life and real practical because the problem is people have applied things to God that don't belong to God. Um, especially churches have caused people to have feelings about God that God never intended for them to have. 
And one of those things is that you get religion over here and you get your life over here and need, none of the two ever touch each other. And the truth is what God intended for you to do and for, I, for me to do is for us to live our lives connected to him every day. And here's the problem, we don't do it. We come to church, we feel good, we, we feel connected to God, and then by 2, 3 o'clock we're already starting to disconnect ourselves. We're starting to pull ourselves apart from him. And he intended from the very beginning for us to be connected with him on a regular basis, which gives us that perspective, gives us the things that we're really looking for in our lives. And so today I'm going to say some things that I'm just not smart enough to come up with on my, my own. I'm, just, I'm not a smart guy, and so you just need to know the things I'm going to say today don't come from my, my brain. This all comes from the Bible. This all comes from God, the Creator. And if you're, if you're not sure you believe in God, you're kind of kicking the tires on the whole thing, um, you are welcome here, and you need to know that you'd be surprised how many of us feel that way at times. Um, and that he is not, God is not intimidated or scared of that, um, nor is he mad about that, that he intends for us to kind of dig deep. And so today you need to know first off that this stuff that I'm saying today is, I'm not smart enough to come up with. This comes from God. And secondly, if, I'm also not brave enough to say what I'm about to say today on my own. If this was my own thoughts, I would never have the guts to say it, okay? So I'm going to say some things today that some of you are going to go, um, and hopefully you don't do this during the sermon, but you go, hey, you're an idiot, <laughs> Hey, that's, you're wrong about that, and I just want you to have a real open mind today. Now, Christians especially, and church people aren't known for having an open mind, but I need you to know that that's not the way God intends for, for people who follow closely to him to be, that we are intended to have an open mind, and I want you to have an open mind today when it comes to what I'm about to say, because you're going to get offended. Something I say today about your family is going to make you mad. I'm just going to warn you right now. It's going to make you go, it's either going to make you mad or make you turn me off. Just go, nope, nope, he's not talking to me. But I want you to stop for a moment because here's what I believe strongly today. That what I'm about to talk about today, it comes straight from the Bible. If you apply this to your life specifically, if you listen to this today, now even if, if you don't believe in God today, you don't even believe in God, you don't have to believe in God to apply this today. If you're listening online, we have about 900 people now a week listening online. More, that's like, what is that? A lot more than we have. See, I told you I wasn't smart. A lot more than we have here. Um, and so if you're listening online today and you're not even sure you believe this stuff, you should try this. You don't even have to believe in God to try this because this is such an amazing principle in the, your life that it will change your family. If you're dealing with conflict especially today, if you apply this thought to your family, it will change your perspective and your family's perspective. And there's all different kinds of conflict um, going on in your family right now. So if you're here and you, you feel like you have something to hide because your family is fighting, maybe your family fought on the way to church. <laughs> maybe you're fighting in the row right now. You're getting a little elbows and you're pointing at each other. And I don't know what that is, but there is conflict, I'm sure, somewhere in some of your extended family or somewhere in the family of your life today. And here's the thing about conflict. We have all different kinds of people when, they, when conflict rises up. You've got the peacemaker. I don't know if you've ever um, met a peacemaker before that when conflict rises up, they will do whatever it takes to keep the peace. They'll say whatever they need to say. They'll do whatever they need to do in order for everybody to be happy. And their question is, hey, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> all right? Now, here's the problem with a peacemaker. It sounds really good, but usually a peacemaker will avoid the problem. And you know what happens when you avoid the problem? This is one of my favorite illustrations ever, and you've heard it before, but I'm going to say it again because I just love it. When I was a kid, we used the, uh, the soda pop, um, the two-liter bottles, and the Drano. And you would take the, a little bit of Drano and a little bit of aluminum foil and put it in a two-liter bottle and put the cap on. And have you ever seen that happen? Don't try it. It's awesome. It would just kind of... 
it just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. This whole two-liter bottle, the chemical reaction just causes it to kind of get deformed, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it explodes, and it will, it's very dangerous. You should not try it. But it explodes, and I, the reason I want to tell you about that is not to cause a whole bunch of accidents, but to, because this is what happens to peacemakers' families and to peacemakers. They, they say, uh, hey, why can't we all just get along? They say whatever they need to say to get out of the argument, but then inside they just start to groan and groan, and eventually they explode. You all know a sulker in your life, a sulker. Somebody that, especially after an argument or during a conflict, will do this. Hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. That's the favorite word of a sulker. Fine. I'm fine. Usually the arms cross, usually the head down. Hey, are we done with this argument? Are we good now? Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. It's a sulker. You know this. This drives me nuts, but I've been guilty of it. The stuffer. This stuffer is the person that goes, hey, hey, there is no conflict. There is no problem. We just don't need to talk about anything. Let's just watch the show and let's just watch a movie or let's, let's do something else and I'll just keep stuffing all of my feelings down inside until you end up, that explosion happens. The litigator, this is one of my favorites and I've been accused of this in my life. The litigator is the person who never loses an argument because they can argue really, really well. Professional arguer. Preachers have this problem. They're good at arguing. Um, and I, I don't, I, I'm somewhere between a peacemaker and a litigator. I want to keep the peace, but if we're going to fight, I'm going to win, okay? And, and you might know a litigator, you might be a litigator where you just go, hey, the problem is I, I just am never wrong, you know? So I'm always right, so I always have the argument. A litigator will drive you nuts. Um, the screamer. There are a lot of these around Paragon. Um, I'm not saying that we have an abnormal number of these, but there are a bunch. Screamers basically think that the way to win an argument is just to be louder than the other person. All right, So they'll scream loud. Now, the funny thing is if you get a screamer and a sulker at the same time, you know, or you get somebody who's a little bit of screamer and a little bit of peacemaker, you know, and you, know, you get a, somebody that says, I'm fine, really loud, you know, so... I, you all have it. You all are it, okay? You are one of these or some kind of combination of these in your life. And here's the thing about, about our relationships. You know this. This is not profound, and this doesn't even come from the Bible. This comes right out of your heart. That your, the people that you're closest to, the people that you love most, your family, and when I say family today, I'm not talking about just your blood. I'm not talking about just your, ex, just your relatives. I'm talking about anybody that you do life with enough that you would consider to family and that you fight with, and that you have conflict with. Here's the thing, and you know this, that the people you're closest to in your life are the people that two things can hurt you the most, and that you can hurt the most. The people that you are closest to, the people you do life with, can hurt you more than anybody else can hurt you, and you can hurt them more than anybody else can, can hurt them. You have that ability. And the part of the issue, you're going to start to find out why that is today. Part of the issue is because here's the thing about life. And this is free, you know, you, you, this is, even if you're not a Christian or you don't know, sure, this is just a freebie, okay? Here's the thing about life, and this is true of everybody. Everything boils down to relationships in your life. You just wait. We have some people going to a funeral today. We have some people on, on, with their family on the, on the deathbed. Um, we have people all over this room who have emergencies, who have physical ailments, who have end-of-life kinds of things going on in their lives. And you know, as well as I do, that in the end, everything boils down to not how good-looking your car was, not what a great job you had, not what, how good retirement was or what school you went to or that great vacation we had to Hawaii. It doesn't boil down to how good your, 
yard looks on a Saturday afternoon. It all boils down to relationships. And so one of the things I'm going to convince you of this morning is to pay attention to anything in your life that makes your relationships better because your happiness, whether you're a Christian, whether you believe in the God thing or not, your happiness is directly tied to the people that are closest to you in your life. And the reason that is is because everything boils down to relationships. And here's what I hear, and I hear it all the time. I hear this all the time, especially from Christians. Well, I'm done with them. I'm writing them off. Christians are worse than this than anybody else. They write off people. You know what writing off means? You're off my list. You, there's a whole, long way, a whole long list of ways to say that. You're off. You're gone. I'm out. You're out of my life. And the way we say it around here a lot is I'm kicking her out. She's kicking me out. And I'm going to kick them out. And then I'll kick you out. And she kicked me out. And we kick them out. We don't just kick them out of our house. We kick them out of our lives. And every time you kick out somebody out of your life, it makes it that much harder for you to get what God intended for you, to, for you to have in the first place, the peace, the hope, and the joy that you've been looking for because everything in life boils down to relationships. And here's the thing about your happiness. I've heard this so many times in my life, and I've said it in my life, that I would be happy, I would just be happy if she would just do this. You know what? If he could just start doing this, I would be happy. Boy, if, if my husband would start coming to church, boy, I'd be happy. See, I, I've heard this my whole life because I've known this my whole This is the way it happens. Women marry a man and they think, boy, he is a good-looking guy and he makes a little bit of money and he seems to love me all right. He's not a Christian. He doesn't believe what I believe, but we'll fix that. And 30 years down the road your happiness is tied to him coming to church. You need to know this today. If you have a comment in your life, if you have a moment in your life where you say, I would be happy if, I would be happy if my son would finally stop dating that girl. I would be happy if my mom would stop nagging me all the time about who I date. <laughs> I would be happy if I just had, if he would just, if she would just, if I could just, and they would just, if you start sentences with, Somebody else tied to your happiness. Here's what you're doing. You're taking your happiness and you're handing it to that person. You're just handing it over, which you would never do, right? But if you're dependent, if your happiness in your life is dependent on someone else's actions, let me give you a little secret. You ain't never going to be happy. So we're going to stop handing over our happiness today. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about how the Bible says to do it. And here's where I'm coming from. Today I want to talk about a guy named James, and he was the brother of Jesus. Um, this is James, the brother of Jesus. So this is a guy who spent a lot of time with Jesus. Now, my brother and I um, spent a lot of time with each other growing up, and I'll never forget when I started preaching a lot, um, we were really close, and which meant that we beat each other up a lot too. Okay, he beat me up. Um, he's the younger brother, but he's always been tougher and stronger. Um, and when I was younger, you know, we were really close, and he'd do anything for me, but we fought like cats and dogs, and then I started preaching. And I was 16 when I preached my first sermon, and I'll never forget it. It was actually at Centerton Christian Church off of 67. That's where my, I'm not pointing because I don't know which direction Centerton is, but um, that way they say. Um, yeah, I usually look at John for that. But it was at Centerton Christian Church. My grandpa was there. I was 16 years old, and I remember afterwards, I had this feeling like this is what I should do with my life. And I think I'm, I think I'm going to be good at this. And this is, it feels good and God's calling me to this. And all these grown-ups were around me and they were all saying what a great job I did and they were praying for me. And I went over and my brother goes, 
Yeah, that whole story you told about the dog is completely a lie. <laughs> completely a lie. That is not what happened, you know? And, and there was just this sense of him going, yeah, you know, um, I, I know you, and you're no preacher. I know you better than anybody in this room. Who do you think you are? There was a little bit of that. And so you need to know that James and Jesus had a friendship, a relationship, a brotherhood like that. That James had a hard time believing that Jesus was the Messiah for a while. He had a hard time believing that this guy who he grew up with, this guy who probably they had little arguments with and that they dealt with each other a lot. They grew up with each other and they probably, he probably thought of Jesus as a competition at times in his life for his mom and for other things. And it, he had this with Jesus at times. And as we go through and we read about James, I want you to hear James's, uh, his, his reaction to Jesus and his life as he talks about these things. Eventually, he talks to a whole group of people and their family members who live together. Now, church at this point in history was done a little bit differently than the way we do it. I'm desperately hoping that we can get back to the way church was at this point in history. At this point in history, church wasn't about what we're doing today. In fact, you, you didn't, when you went to church, you didn't go sit in a pew and, and all point the same direction and listen to the preacher. You got in circles, and you would do life together. That's what church was. It was about your gutters are, need to be cleaned. Okay, let's come over and clean your gutters. You, you need a little bit of money to pay for this. Okay, then we're going to pay for that. You need food? Here's some food. We, it was big, big families. And these families begin to do life like families. And that was a wonderful thing. It was an amazing thing to be able to do life with these huge groups of people that they called ecclesias or churches. And, and, but the problem is they began to argue like families. And so James says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Listen to this. He says there is one source, and I believe this sincerely, the quarrels, the fights that you've got, maybe there's some going on in your pew right now. Maybe there's some going on in your house, in your home. Those quarrels boil down to one thing. James says this. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? I love the way he says this because here's what you would say. If I, if I were to just to ask you right now, and I'm not asking so don't answer. What, what's going on with the quarrel in your family right now? You would start it with this. Well, she, well, he, well, he and her and them and they, and you know what James says is the problem? You have something missing. Well, John, see, I told you you were going to be mad at me. I told you. This is where you turn me off if you're not careful. Because you go, well, you don't understand. It's all them. No. No. James says there's something in you. In fact, he says it comes from a desire in you. And every time there is a conflict in your life, Every time there is a conflict in your life, there is something you want. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, yeah, but John, he, I know the marriages. He owes me a marriage. He owes me being a dad. I know, I'm not, I'm not saying right now that he doesn't owe you or she doesn't owe you. What I'm saying is, in every conflict, there is something that you own. In every conflict, there is a little bit about you. And here's what happens. If you don't own this, I, I used to try marriage counseling. Some of you have been a part of that when I was just starting here, and I have a hard time looking in your eyes today because I am a terrible marriage counselor. <laughs> terrible. Please don't anybody say amen who I've counseled. 
But I'm telling you, I'm a ter- terrible marriage counselor because my idea, I, I'm not a very good listener, truthfully, in those situations. They, uh, they'll start to tell a story. Well, here's what's happening. As soon as I get, there's like three problems married couples have. And as soon as I figured out which one it is, I'm like, okay, I don't want to hear any more. You know, here's a Kleenex. And I'm a terrible, terrible counselor. But while I was counseling, I would try to get them to say, I would write a circle up on the board and I would say, okay, if this circle represents the problem in your marriage, what part what part, sir, do you, what little slice of the pie do you have in this problem? You know how many times I've tried this? I've tried this so many times. Every person I ever tried to mar- counsel marriage, I've tried this. Write a circle. Okay, if this was a big pie chart, which part of the pie is yours when it comes to this problem? Which part were you on? You know that not one time, not one time have I ever had somebody tell me what part of the pie they own. And you know Why? Because it takes energy away from you. It takes energy away from you. When you own part of the problem, the temperature in the conversation goes down. And James knew that. Judging by the quiet in the room, you kind of knew that too. Every time there's a conflict. Every time there's a conflict. There is something that you want that you're not getting. Maybe something you deserve. But something that you want. This happens to me on Saturday mornings with my kids. Man, it happens to me. And I don't even realize it until I get in the middle of it. And sometimes I have to get this perspective. But I'll get up and I'll have a plan on a Saturday morning for all the things I'm going to get done. I mean, I even plan my rest time out in my head. You know, I'm going to rest from here to here. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. And I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I'm going to take a shower. And then I'm going to run. And, then I'm going to... and if my kids m- mess that up for any reason... Dad, London wants to go outside, and I wouldn't want to go outside, and I bust. I'll just break all of a sudden, and I get into this conflict with them, and I realize, I want something here. I want my Saturday, and you're trying to take my Saturday. It's not about cleaning the house. It's not about their little argument. It's not about our little thing. It's about, I had a Saturday in my mind, and you're trying to take it. Now, that's an, easy con- that's an easy one, and that's a relatively simple one, but it gets more complicated than that. When, and man, I see it all over the place, and I'm praying that it doesn't happen to me, but I'm afraid it's going to because it seems to happen to the best Christians I know, where your kids get to junior high and high school, and you're just on them, on them, on them, on them, on them all the time. And there's argument all the time, and there's frustration all the time, and there's conflict all the time. And if I were to put up a big pie chart, parents, and I were to say, hey, how much of this problem are you going to own? You're going to go, zero. It's their problem. They won't do their homework. They won't clean their room. They will hang out with the wrong kids. And you're going to go, zero, 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 and I'm going to say, you're lying. It's you, too. Because you want a kid. You want a kid that has good grades. You want a kid that behaves well. Nothing wrong with that. You want a kid who doesn't date idiots. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. You want a kid who cleans their room when they're asked, who does what they're told. You want a kid who dresses nice in public. But listen to me. Your argument is not just about their clothes and their homework. It's about what you want. And until you realize that, you're going to be in deep conflict for the rest of your life until, James says, you kill a relationship. Next next slide. 
It says they come from your deep desires that battle within you. You desire, but you don't have. You have this thing in you, and you can't get it. And he says, so you kill. Now that's hyperbole, hopefully. Some dads, I've seen it in their eyes. But he's not talking about actual murder, but he's, he's saying you kill things, and you do. I've seen dads kill relationships with their 25-year-old daughters because they, I just want her to be everything she could be. No, you want to be able to tell your buddies on the golf course that she's in school and college and she's doing great. Maybe you do want her to be, but you also want this thing for you. I've seen wives tell their husbands they're fat and tell them so many times that their husbands have the complex and now you go, hey, Hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to get him to live a long life and to be happy. No, you want a skinny husband. <laughs> I'm telling you, there is, and, and here's the problem with this. It's funny for a while, but according to James, and you know it, you eventually, there's this thing in the you that wants what you want so bad that you will kill for it, at least in a metaphor kind of way. You will say what needs to be said. You're, you're, it's like you're, this thing takes over in you. And I'm telling you, I, I've, I know this to be true in my life. I can't tell you the number of times on a Saturday night that I put my kids to bed and remembered a couple things I said that day and realized that if I kept saying things like that to my kids, I would kill their self-esteem. Guys, you say things to your kids that if somebody, somebody else said to your kids, you would beat the snot out of them. And you say it over and over and over again. If you start sentences with, you always, or you never, you always spill whatever I buy you. This is what I say to Reese. I went and bought him a Frosty yesterday. He wanted to show me a little thing in the car. Next thing I know, the Frosty is dumped upside down on my leather seats in 100 degree weather upside down and he looks at me I'm looking in the rear mirror he looks at me and he goes oh no <laughs> dad what should I do <laughs> like well pick up the stinking frosty in the first place so I'm flying home trying to get this stupid frosty up the dog uh, dogs love it the dog's in the car by the way too he's licking everything up I'm mad I get out of the car and here's what Reese says I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And what I should have said and what I wish I would have said was, it's a stupid car. It doesn't matter. But you know what I said? You always spill things. You always spill things. And you know what Reese said? I know. What's wrong with me? This is what's wrong with me. There's something I want. I want my car clean. I have a client to pick up Monday morning, and I don't want it smelling like Wendy's in my car. If it really boils down to it, I have a problem with my car. I want my car clean. And that's okay until it starts killing my relationship with the people around me. And I'm telling you, it's in you too. James says, you desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You don't stop, and you desperately Say whatever you need to say and do whatever you need. You covet, and you can't get what you want. So you quarrel, and you fight. So what if, what if in the middle, now this is one of those ideal things, and you're going you're gonna to laugh at me 
in a minute probably in this, but I want you to just pretend that this could really happen because I think it'd be awesome if it could. Just before you get to the fight, you know, there's always a moment where you know it's coming, you know? I mean, when I looked up in the rearview mirror, I saw him spill the whole thing. I knew it was going to happen. I pulled around a corner, and I saw him take his hands off of his Frosty long enough to show me something he was going to do with his hands, and I thought, he's going to spill it. And then I saw it go upside down, and I thought, I can handle this. And then when he said, Dad, what should I do? It just, something went off in me. And at that moment, if I could have stopped before it got bigger than it should have been, before I said something stupid, before that thing inside me that I want started killing the people that I love with words or with something else, if I could have stopped and said this, I wrote it down for you, if I could have stopped and said, you know what part of our problem is right now? This is what we do. You know what, you're, you point like this. This is what you, you, you know what the problem is right now? Do you know what the problem is with our relationship? The problem is, I, I want something I'm not getting. If, I, if you could just do this, this would change everything. Now, you have to have conflict. Avoiding conflict is not an option. It builds terrible relationships. You have to have conflict. But if you could, before things get too bad, before you call her that again, before you start the word every time, or never, or you're always, or you're never, before you can start that thing, if you can just say, do you know what the problem is? Even if you have to yell it. Do you know what the problem is? It's... I want something that I'm afraid I'm not going to get. I want to practice it, okay? This is stupid, I know, but you're going to remember it, okay? So here it is. I want you to say it with some stank on it, okay? Here we go. I'll, I'll do it with you just one time. Do you know what the problem is? I want something I'm not going to get. See, I can't even say it right. Let's try it again. Do you know what part of the problem is right now? I'm not getting what I want. Now, if you could start that, if you could just, you know, we talk about this all the time, a time where you can take a remote control for your life and put it on pause. If you can do that, even today, you're going to have this opportunity today, and you're going to remember this sermon, okay? At one, th at one point, you're either going to go, well, that's a dumb idea, the preacher's an idiot, or you're going to go, maybe I should try this, okay? And if you're willing to try this, pretend you've got a remote control, and you can just hit pause for a minute, and you can go, what is it that I want? What is it that I want that I'm not getting? It will turn the temperature down. James says this. He says, you covet and you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. I was at Sam's Club this week picking up something for work. and You know I have a problem with Sam's Club because they put those stupid TVs right there in front of them thing, and it doesn't matter how big a hurry I'm in, I'll be walking right by him, and I'll go, oh, 72 inch, 1080p, and I'm all the way, and I'm watching a movie all of a sudden, you know, that's what I do, and I did that, I went in to go pick up some things, and I had to go really fast, I went in, and next thing I know, I'm looking at the new 70 inch, 1080p thing, and I, and there's a guy with his family sitting there, and he's doing the same thing, and we kind of like bump into each other, you know, and his family's sitting there, and his He's going, he said, man, this thing is amazing. I said, yeah, and we start talking about the specs. You know what, how guys do that, you know? It's the only time I'm really a guy guy when I'm looking at a TV like that. Yeah, 1080p and LCD and the refresh rate and all this stuff. And, and he says, uh, yeah, it's like he kind of had this out-of-body experience for a minute. He goes, yeah, my wife says two more years before we need one. <laughs> I said, oh, and I, I looked around and I'm like, well, I don't know you, and I don't know your wife. I think I'm out of this conversation, you know? 
And as I was leaving, his kid said something to him, and he started barking at them. And as I walked away, I thought, I know what that guy wants. He wants that TV, and he might want a little control. <laughs> he wants something he's not going to get, and his kids are getting the earful. You desire, but you don't have. So you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Look what he says. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're listening to this online, we've got a lot of people listening online who aren't, who are trying to kind of kick the, kick the tires. If you're here and you're not sure you believe, you need to know this is kind of where the, the Christ follower stuff begins. So all the rest of that stuff is free and you should try it at home. You don't even have to believe in God to try it. If you do believe in God, if you are a Christ follower, here's what James says. He says, you haven't even tried what is guaranteed to work in your life, to bring you the hope, the peace, and the joy. When it comes to the worst times in your life, when it comes to the quarrels and the fights, he said, you need to stop and ask God. When you ask, <laughs> this is what happens. Some of us do this. Some of us do. I've seen this. It's the, the manipulative prayers. You've, you've heard these before, you know. Often it happens from a grandmother with one eye open. God, please help my grandson be a little better listener when it comes time for dinner and time's kind. You know, we, we have these little manipulative prayers. We do the same thing um, with our prayers about our, quarrels, about our quarrels and our fights. We pray at people. You know, we don't pray for people. We pray at them. Hey, God, please let my daughter understand that her boyfriend's an idiot. Please remind her that she needs to study. Please remind him that he... Please tell my husband, God. Please let my wife know, God. And that's the way we pray. And James says, you know what? If you stop, if you would stop in those moments, put, put your life on pause and go, okay, first, what is it that I want in this? What, what am I willing to kill for, apparently? I need to stop that. And then secondly, whatever that is, ask God for it. Because that person can't give it to me anyway. He said, but some of you don't get what you think you, re you should get because you pray with the wrong motives. You, you, you ask for, for God to fix them instead of looking at yourself first, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's all about you. So here's the thing. I'm almost done. If you can pause before the storm. Man, this is cool. I, there's nothing I like better than a good storm, especially if I don't have something big going on. But a couple weeks ago, I had mowed the yard, just finished mowing the yard, and I can hear the storm clouds coming in. You know, it's like it was just perfect timing. And I pulled in, pulled the mower into the garage and I see the storm clouds rolling up over my neighbor came out and he was just starting his mowing he went oh man you know you could see and I thought man this is perfect timing for me terrible timing for him and we kind of stood there for a moment and we just stood and talked to each other he was standing in his garage I was standing in mine and we were yelling back and forth you know and and there was this pause before the storm came in we could see it coming and, and I thought about you this morning and your conflicts and my conflicts. And you know there's a pause before those conflicts, just like that. There's a point where you can see it coming. There's a moment where you know you're going, ready to get it, you're going to say it, she's going to say it, he's going to do that again, and then it's going to spill, and then you're going to have to, you take a deep breath, if you can put your life on pause for a moment and do these things. Next slide there. First start with, what do I want? What is it that I want from here that I'm not getting that's going to cause me anger in this thing? 
Secondly, ask, what part of the blame is mine? What part of the blame is mine right here? What is it that I'm going to, that I need to do differently? And then finally, stop. And if you're, if you believe in God and you are a Christ follower, stop and say, God, I want to come to you for the things that I need in my life. Instead of trying to wring it out of the people that I love. Band, you can come up. Here's the thing. Jesus one time was asked, and many people since then have been asked. So if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't even have to to understand this. Jesus was asked, hey, what's the most important thing that ever happened? What's the most important law, the most important rule, the most important thing? And he says, everything boils down to loving God and loving people. Everything boils down to the relationships in your life, and you know that. So I'm going to give you a chance today. One time Jesus was talking to his, his best friends, his family, the people that he spent the most time with. And they said, so... Jesus, we, when we come into the church and we're ready to worship God, you know, what's important? And Jesus says, well, don't even come in. Don't even come in to worship. Don't even come into the church. Don't even approach God if you've got something wrong with the people that you're closest to. If there is something unattended to, if there is something stretching you, there's something, an issue that you're trying to kill somebody over, do you know how offensive it is to, the, to your father? for you to walk into his presence, act like everything's okay with the people he's put in your life to get right with. He says, you lay it down, your worship, and you go take care of it. Today I'm going to ask you, are you handing over your happiness to the people around you? Maybe today you're going to walk out of here and go, wait a minute, I'm in charge of me. I'm in charge of me. He can't take my happiness. She can't take, they can't. I'm in charge of me. Your family today is worth pausing before the storm. Maybe today is the day for you to say, I agree with that statement. My family is worth it. Maybe you have done what the world does. You have written somebody off. You have said, they're out of my life. I'm done. I'm done with you. Maybe you've even said that to them. You have written them off. Maybe today is the day to go, this is who God put me with. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. What are you looking for today? Was, uh, this is even hard for me to admit this morning, but I was working on the camper. My dad has this big camper, and it's old, and it's a piece of junk. But it's getting better all the time, and I love it, and we're going to camp this coming. I'm trying to learn a lot about it. Yesterday, London and Reese were out playing in the yard at Mom and Dad's, and I was feverishly working on this camper. And Reese came in, and he said, Dad, would you play with me? And I said, hey, buddy, I'm working on the camper right now. We'll play in a little bit. We went out and, oh, okay. So he went out and he did some other things. 20 minutes later, Dad, would you please play with me? Would you watch me swim, Dad? All right, buddy, I got to finish this thing and then I'll be out there an hour and a half later. Dad, Dad, what? Can't you see I'm busy? Can't you see I'm working? Can't you see there are more important things than, oh, uh uh-oh. I turned around And I thought for a moment, okay, he just needs to understand what I'm doing here is for him. So I said, Reese, I'm getting the camper ready for us. We're going to camp this summer, and we're going to have so much fun. We're going to camp together. So Daddy has to work on the camper so that we we can take it. So I can't play with you right now, but I can play with you later. And he said, Dad, I don't care about later. I want now. I thought, yeah, I don't have later. 
I don't have later guaranteed, and neither do you. You only have now. So I, I put the stuff down, the camper's still in a state of disrepair, and I play with my kid because now is all you have. Don't wait for them to make the first move. Don't think about it. Don't go read a book. Don't go watch another episode of Dr. Phil. You know what needs to be done. Do it now. You know, Jesus had this tension between what is ideal and what is real. Some of you are going, yeah, but John, you don't know, and that's so idealistic, and that's so, it's, it's what to shoot for. It's what leads to happiness, and the closer you get to it, the more you get towards peace and hope and joy in your life. Do it today. I'm going to be right back there in that corner. If today you're missing something that you can't, you can't seem to fill in your life, I know what it is. It's not me. It's not this church. It's not even your relationships. It's your creator, and I can lead you to him today. I'll be right back in that corner if you want to pray together. Today's an opportunity for you to get right now. Would you stand with us?